I spoke last Sunday morning and I began a, a short series um, on the miracles or the signs that John records in his gospel. John marks out seven signs, in the, particularly in the early chapters of his gospel. And I thought it'd be nice if we visit each of them. Uh, last week, we looked at the first sign, which was the turning of water into wine. I, got, I said it wrong last week. I got wine into water. So I'll make, let me get it right now. I don't want anybody emailing in. It was uh, water into wine. And we saw that miracle. The second sign is that John highlights for us is the healing of the royal official's son. Now, when I went to look at this, I, I discovered that I don't think I have ever spoken on this before, this portion of Scripture. So it was an exciting for me to look at it and to discover some of the truths that are there. And our prayer is that the, the, our, our ministry of the Word will be helpful to you. You know, we pray it will be a blessing here, but we want it to be a blessing as you continue to serve the Lord where you are. So I would like to read, if I may, from John's Gospel. We're in chapter 4 now, and I'm going to read from verse 43. So John's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 43. After two days, he left for Galilee. That's Jesus. Now, Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, for they also had been there. Once more he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When the man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. Jesus said, unless the people see miraculous signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. The royal official said, sir, come down before my son dies. Jesus replied, you may go, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on the way, his servant ran to meet him with news. I don't think it said ran. The servant, yes, um, met him with news that the boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, the fever left him yesterday at the seventh hour. The father realized this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and all his house believed, and this was the second miraculous sign that Jesus performed, having come from Judea to Galilee. I need to pray. Father, we thank you for every opportunity to look into your word. We don't have to come to church to look into your word. We hopefully have our Bibles open daily, and you can speak to us there. But we ask, Lord, now, as we've gathered together to look at this portion that this will be helpful to us. We pray that our faith level may rise as we look at this second sign in John's gospel. Pray, Lord, for any who are at home who are facing challenges at this time. I pray that they will indeed feel part of what's happening and know God's richest blessing. So bless your word, Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. 
Again, this is a very similar miracle, and many of you will see the similarities to the healing of the centurion's servant when Jesus sent his word and the centurion's servant was healed. But this is a separate one. You may think, well, is this not the same? No, it's a completely different here. We have a royal official who is probably a part of Herod's household, rather than a centurion who would be part of the occupying army. And it begins very simply, after two days, Jesus left for Galilee. Jesus himself pointed out, a prophet has no honor in his own country. Jesus was basically going home. He had been, this is where he had been brought up in Galilee. Uh, of course, there was Nazareth and, of course, Bethlehem, etc., uh, were the, 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 the famous places that we know of. So he was returning home. And Jesus acknowledges the fact that sometimes when you go back to where you come from, people don't really recognize who you are. I, I, I mentioned last week uh, going to my home church. I can read another memory I have of my home church. Um, I went home to South Harrow for Gospel Church then, and um, people would come up to me and they'd say, when exactly are you going to become a pastor? What they didn't know was I'd been a pastor for several years and I'd been ordained and everything, but they always thought of me as that young, slim, good-looking young man that left. They wouldn't think that now, but that's what they thought. They, they always had this picture of me as a 17-year-old who left for Bible college. And whenever I went back, they couldn't imagine me in a different role. There was nothing wrong with that. I think it's a similar thing here. Jesus had been a carpenter. He'd been running the family business. You know, Mary was known. His brothers and sisters were known. And he's saying, look, when a prophet goes home, the faith level can often drop. But I think there was um, also some other meaning to this. He just left Samaria. Now, in Samaria, he spoke to the woman at the well. And the woman at the well came to faith, and the town Samaria came out to him, and a whole group of people came to faith in Jesus after the result of Jesus speaking to the woman at the well. And it tells us there simply, I, the woman said, I know that Messiah is coming. Um, later on, it says there that um, many believe, many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. And then they said this, we no longer believe just because of what you said, that's the woman, we have now heard for ourselves and know that this man really is the saviour of the world. So he goes to the Samaritans who were not uh, strict Jews. Um, I won't go into the background, time won't allow now, but they were not thought of well by the, the Jewish community. He goes to the Samaritans, speaks to a woman, reveals to her her life, she testifies, and then the town come out and they become believers. And I think that after that tremendous revival, Jesus comes to Galilee and he almost prepares himself saying, I'm not expecting the same results in Galilee that I had in Samaria. He left the revival. He left the revival to come and to minister into Galilee. And I think that's possibly the background there. But then it goes on, it says, when he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. So it's almost strange. He's almost preparing us that he's not going to be get as warm a welcome as he certainly got with the Samaritans. Um, he's going back home and people will not think of him as the son of God or the Messiah. He's still the carpenter's son. And that challenge comes to him. But it says they, they welcomed him because they had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover feast 
they also had been there. And there were several things that Jesus did in Jerusalem that opened their hearts up to receive him and for him to be welcomed. I'm not going to go into all the details, but one of them was he drove the money changers out of the temple. Very, very exciting story if you read it there. Um, we find it in chapter 2, verse 12. And Jesus comes and he gets to the temple and he finds that the merchants were encroaching on the temple compound. Instead of being outside, they were coming in and in. Their whole point was to sell animals for sacrifice, sell doves for sacrifice. But what really annoyed people, and this is why I think the Galileans welcomed Jesus, was that he threw out the money changers. Because if you were to give an offering in the temple, you couldn't give it in foreign currency. You had to use the temple coinage. And so you'd come from France, and they'd have the euro, still got the euro in France, have they? Nothing's changed since Brexit, no? Okay, we've got the euro. So you would go to the temple with your euros. You would have to change it into the temple coinage because we couldn't have foreign money given to God because don't forget, it's very legalistic. And so the money changes would come. Of course, they wouldn't do that for nothing. Just as you go to the airport and you want to change your money and you know never to change your money at an airport, don't you? You know that good. Um, in that way. And people didn't like that. They thought, well, why should I have to pay to worship? Why should I have to charge for this thing? And they were not thought of very well. So the money changers are thrown out. It tells you he drove out the animals. There's a lovely verse where he says, take the doves out. He doesn't turn over the table. He turns over the tables with the money. He drives them out. He has a, a rope whip. He's driving them out. He's clearing out his father's house. Lovely little verse where he said, now take the doves out. Because you soon can round up the cattle. You can soon round up the lambs, but you can't round up doves once they've gone. And one commoner says that's just that little verse there where Jesus does it. So people were pleased with that. They were unhappy with the money changers. It wasn't, I think, too much of a spiritual thing. They wanted to keep the temple holy. They were just upset they were doing this. Jesus was upset because the temple wasn't to be a marketplace. In another occasion, we see where the mighty Jesus clears the temple and they're actually in the Gentile court. They'd taken over that part of the temple that was set aside for evangelism. So you and I, if we were Gentiles, we could go and we could look in. We couldn't go in because we were outside the covenant, but we could look in. And that was the area where possibly they were doing their trading. And Jesus said, stop. God wants the nations God wants people to understand what's happening. So I have to explain that. So when he arrives in Galilee, having acknowledged he might not get a warm welcome, having had a tremendous time in Samaria, suddenly we're told that they were pleased to welcome him of what had happened in Jerusalem. Other things happened, but time won't allow. So he comes to Galilee with being welcomed rather than turned aside. He comes to Galilee with a welcome. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover. And it says, for they were, for they had been there also. So they'd seen it. They'd seen his zeal. They'd seen his determination that the temple would be a place of spirituality um, in that way. So then we move on. Having had the welcome, having had that acknowledgement, we find now that he visits Cana and Galilee, 
where he had turned water into wine. And a certain royal official, whose son lay sick at Capernaum, when the man heard that Jesus was there. How lovely. You know, how did he hear? He, how did he hear? That when the man heard that Jesus arrived at Galilee from Judea, he sent him, sent to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. Do you know, we as a church and as Christians have a responsibility to tell people where Jesus is. Someone had said to this man, his son was dying, he said, well, listen, Jesus is uh, just down the road there. He's in Galilee. You know, he's at Cana. He's in Capernaum. Do you know, you know why not go to him? And the man goes. He's desperate for his son to be well, as any father, any parent would do. And he comes. The man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee. He went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. Do you know there's some steps here that I think could help us in our prayer life? If you've ever written a book, The Seven Steps That Guarantee Divine Healing, I want to tell you something now. I won't be reading it. You know, we cannot put God into a box in some way. He's not a computer program that if you tap in the right numbers, out will come a miracle. God will always remain on the throne and reserve the right to do what he wants to do. And 99 times out of 100, he wants to bless us. But there may be times when he wants to do something else in our life. And even that has to be a step of faith. Sometimes it takes more faith to take a no from God than a yes. Anyway, the man comes, and I just want to highlight what happened. First of all, he went to him. He said, well, Gordon, that's so simple. Do you know, in my Christian life, it's the simple things that I trip up at. You know, I will, you know, would I deny Jesus is Lord? I hope not. But that hopefully will not be presented to me. But it'll be the simple things, um, simple attitudes, simple behavior, things that don't seem important, yet can so often hinder what God is doing. And it's just said he went to him. May I say to those at home and those who are with us this evening, maybe you need to go to him. As a pastor, many times people would have come to me and said, oh, I've got this situation. And I didn't say often, but every now and again, I might say, well, look, have you prayed about this first? No, no, I thought I'd come and talk to you first. Well, I was greatly honored that they wanted to talk to me. But really, if they talked to Jesus first, they might not have needed to talk to me. You know? Now, that isn't to say, don't go to a doctor or don't. No, of course not. I'm not saying that at all. But, you know, we need to come to Jesus. When did you last come to Jesus? When did you last go to him? Say, well, I'm here tonight. No, no. You've come to church tonight. When did you last go to him? You say, well, you're being a bit narrow. Well, I'm not. I'm trying to encourage us that he went to him. You're facing needs, you're facing challenges of all sorts. With the numbers that will be listening to this service, either here or in other places, there are going to be people who are facing challenges. May I say very simply, go to him. A verse that haunts me so often is that verse, you have not because you ask not. I can just see me getting to the judgment seat of Christ and the Lord giving me a long list of things that he would have done for me if I'd only asked him. So the first thing he did was he came to him. Jesus had left a revival in Samaria. He'd had a tremendous challenge in the temple. 
But now he's not confronted with a city coming to faith. He's not confronted with a temple that needed cleansing. There's a simple man who has the heartbreak of a sick child. Now, you and I know that, sadly, not all people who are ill get better. But this man came in faith to him. He went to Jesus. Secondly, he begged him to come. I've likened this to prayer. He begged him to come. It would have been no effort if Jesus said to this man, stand on your head in a bucket of water and your son will get better, he'd have done it. He'd have done anything that Jesus asked that his child might live. And he came and he said, well, you know, come to him. This is a royal official. He was probably used to people kowtowing to him. He was probably used to people, after you, sir. No, well, he wouldn't have said after you. It would have been after you. He was used to maybe crowds parting as he walked through because of the connections he had possibly with Herod's family. And people thought, we don't want to upset this fellow. He knows Herod. And he is prepared to beg. He's prepared to humble himself before the Lord. And maybe that's just another clue to answered prayer, another clue to God stepping into our lives, that first we go to him and then we humble ourselves and we acknowledge who he is. We surrender our lives afresh. And you may be very important. You may have a, you know, a big title, but let me tell you now, if you need something from God, beg him. You say, oh, well, we're children of God now. We don't need to beg. I'm not saying beg. I'm talking about be earnest with God and seek his face and let God know that you mean business. This man wasn't going to say, oh, by the way, Jesus, if you get five minutes, could you heal my son? He was desperate. And desperate times need desperate prayers. How many times have we heard about people in warfare who've started to pray in the middle of a battle? Don't criticize them. You know, I, you know I'd be doing the same. I'd be doing the same. And so the man came. He came to him, first of all. He begged him to come, and notice he defined how he felt Jesus could do it. He said, begged him to come and heal his son. He, he was saying, this is what I want you to do, and this is how I want you to do it. I want you to come. Because at that time, this man's level of faith was up here. He came to Jesus. He begged him. But his faith was such that he was expecting Jesus to trouble to his son. It never entered his mind that Jesus could say something and it would be done at a distance. I've got 20 miles in my head, the distance. If that's wrong, please forgive me. It's just, just in my head somewhere. Somebody's got to Google that now and tell me later I was wrong. But don't Google now, please. Okay. But he said, come. And so he had the faith. He came to Jesus he prayed earnestly, but he almost defined what Jesus had to do. He said, I need you to come with me, please, because when you lay your hands on my son, he will get better. Now, that is a tremendous level of faith. Tremendous. To believe that Jesus, and these were the early days of his ministry, that just coming and praying with his son, he would live. But Jesus was going to do far more than this. He, his level of faith took him to here. You come, you lay hands on him, he will live. But his faith was going to go even higher in that way. And Jesus then spoke to him, begged him to come and heal his son. 
And then in 48, Jesus says this word, unless you people. So he wasn't speaking directly to this man. He was speaking, I think, to the Galileans. Unless you people see a miraculous sign and wonder, as Jesus told him, you were told him, you will never believe. So it's you people and you that they were wanting a sign. And Jesus is saying, <laughs> almost, I think, I think that, and I say that because I can't be dogmatic, that listen, you've come, you've asked me, but the most important thing is that you put your faith in me, not looking for a sign, okay? And we see later, of course, that's exactly what happened. So he said, unless you see it, the royal official, sir, sir, come down. He, he wasn't going to get involved in this. The, the, the man was too... Um, to focus on his son's need. Jesus is making comments there. Unless you see a miraculous sign and wonders, Jesus said, you will never believe. And that was always the problem with the Jewish people in Jesus. They wanted a sign. Give us a sign. Show us what you can do. Do a trick, you know. And Jesus said, listen, you have to know who I am. You have to believe. Not believe in miracles, but believe in me. Belief in miracles wasn't going to save them but believing in Jesus would. So the royal uh, official said, sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus, almost in a dismissive way, it sounds almost dismissive, he turns around and he says, you may go. Now, if the verse stopped there, I would be very disappointed in Jesus is dealing with this man and his need. Even me as a, a dad and a granddad, I, my heart would be going out to this man. Even if I didn't have the faith or I was instructed by God to pray and for the, my heart was, and he just said, go, that's it, that's it, it's fine. You know, sir, come, Jesus said, you may go. He dismisses him. But then he says these words, your son will live. Wow. The very thing he'd come for, well, not quite. He'd come to ask Jesus to come to Capernaum and pray for the boy. But Jesus says, you may go, your son will live. But you haven't said anything. You haven't done anything. You've not anointed him with oil. You've not laid hands on him. You've not gathered around the bed as you did on other occasions, sending some of the disciples out, keeping some of them in and all sorts of... There was nothing. Suddenly in the midst of this, you may go. Oh dear, your son will live and that was unbelievable statement to make jesus had as far as i'm aware had not done anything like this before this was new territory this man had a choice was he going to say well actually i i think i still would want you to come down and lay hands on him please i really think that you you are the healer, you're the, the famous one, you're the one everybody's talking about, your, your fame and your, your reputation is getting larger. I, I still, I don't think I want to risk this, <laughs> you saying it, would he still come down? But he didn't. His faith had to rise again. You see, when God's dealing is in our lives, is that our faith might increase. God wants to, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Many of the challenges and things we face, it's not that God is cruel. God is trying to cause our faith to grow and trust him 
in a special and new way. He replied, go, your son will live. And then unbelievable words. And it's the title maybe of the message it says there. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. Wow. Do you know what? I feel like saying to you, but don't do it. Let's give this guy a round of applause. Let's give it. He's, he came in. He came. He begged. He's a royal official. He, he put aside all that, that, all his background. He had one purpose, to ask God to step in and to heal his son. And Jesus challenges him about, you know, the um, signs and the Jewish people and one thing and another. And he stays focused. And it says, you may go, your son will live. Oh, wow. And what happens? The man took Jesus at his word. So if he had faith to believe that Jesus could come and lay hands on the boy and he would live, that's great. But now he had to step up. He had to believe that what Jesus was saying was true, that, if, that the boy is going to live. And he did it. He got hold of the words of Jesus and he believed them. He took Jesus at his word. You know, I hope your word is trustworthy. I hope you keep your word. If you say, well, I'm going to meet you at seven o'clock uh, um, and uh, etc., I hope you, you, you keep your word. I hope you're not one of these people, we, we can't trust a word, you know, we, you never keep your appointment. No, no, no. This man took him at his word. Not that Jesus would, well, he just believed that it, that's what to do. And you know, we do, and I know I do repeat this, and please forgive me, but we need to read our Bibles more. Because the scriptures, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And whether you're in church or at home, your Bible is available to you. Read these portions that I speak from and other people preach from, pardon me. I say, I am just one of many, as you know. Um, and, that's, and allow your faith to rise. So that when the challenge comes, when you are there facing a dilemma or a challenge, it won't be, oh, what do I do now? Who can I ring? You can go to God, look at his promises and take him at his word. Notice, this is taking Jesus at his word after he had said the child would live. This isn't saying, take Jesus at his word and everybody will be healed or every need will be met. Or No, no, we know that is not correct. But we step out in faith and he did that. He took Jesus at his word. Well, and departed. I wonder what he felt on the way. I think he traveled quite fast on the way home. He wanted to see what was happening with his son. And again, like the, the centurion, we, he has a visitor. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with news that the boy was living. That was it. He took him at his word. And please, I am not being flippant when I say this. Jesus keeps his word. You see, if, I, if you said to me, could you... Now, Scott, you won't listen to this, please. If I said, I'd like to let, give someone five pounds here. Scott, no, you, you don't need any money. I can tell. 
Scott does, but I'm not going to give him any. It's helping me to live by faith. Okay? I have the capability of giving five pounds to someone. Right? If you said to me, would you give a million pounds to someone? I couldn't do it, in spite of the rumors that you hear about my wealth. I couldn't do it. In other words, I couldn't keep my word. I could keep my word for five pounds, 10 pounds, 20 pounds, and I'm stopping there before anybody else applies, right? But a million can't do it. I really can't. No matter what people might say, I haven't got a million pounds. But when Jesus promises you a million, he keeps his word. When Jesus promises 50 pounds, he keeps his word, or five pounds, and he kept his word. And the man discovered that Jesus had kept his word. He said, your son will live, and the inquirer said, do this. But the guy was so good. He wanted to know more. He inquired, and I'm so glad that he did this. He could have been so elated and said, oh, my son's going to live. That's great. Let's get home, get the kettle on. You know, wow. Let's, you know, have custard creams. Go wild, you know, or some banquet taking place. But he doesn't. I probably would have done. I'd have said, is he real? Yeah, the fever, he's better. You know, you got, he, when you get home, he's a different boy to the one you left when you went to Cana. And he inquired. As to the time, his son got better. They said to him, the fever left him yesterday at, at the seventh hour. Wonderful. Then the father realized this was the exact time that Jesus said to him, your son will leave. Instantly. Jesus said, your son will live. The fever broke. The boy's alive. Uh, no time delay. No, well, let's give it 24 hours. Let's wait a minute. And you're praying and you're asking God to step into a situation at this time in your life. Let me tell you, he can do it in a minute. In a second. He only has to say the words and that will happen as it did with this man. And he realized that the word that he trusted was so effective that he only had to say it and it was done. He only had to... And it was done. He said, go home. Your son will live. And if he had a watch, he'd have looked at it and he'd have said the seventh hour. And he journeyed home. And he asked, when did the boy get better? At the seventh hour. And the father realized this was the exact time. Exact time. You've heard preachers say it for all your Christian life, that God's never earlier, God's never late. Never early and never late. I'm a bit fixed. My hobby, if I have a hobby, is old watches. I just like vintage watches, just a little bit of a hobby. And, you know, they need winding up some of them. Some of them need shaking to make them work. Some of them might need a battery. Not many of those sorts in that way. You know, and I'm sort of time and preaching now. My t- you know, I've been given plenty of time, by the way, but I realize now my time is coming to a conclusion. Time is, is important. And to this father, he was confirmed that taking Jesus at his word does this. And then it says there, this was, uh, your son will live. So he and his household believed. If you remember, uh, if you may not have been with us last Sunday morning, I quoted the purpose of John's gospel. 
The purpose of John's gospel is in chapter 20, verse 31. But these things were written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you may have life through his name. That's exactly what happened through this miracle. This was the sign. The sign pointed to Jesus. And this is exactly what happened. It says there, so he and his household believed. I don't think this was that he believed and the rest of his family were counted, household were counted as believers because he believed. I believe they all, when they heard the story at seven o'clock, I'm going to call it seven o'clock. At seven o'clock, he said, be well. And that's when it is. They all put their faith in Christ. So he left the revival in Samaria to come to probably the toughest place for him to minister back home. And a boy is healed, a father's faith is honoured, and a household comes to faith. And what John's purpose in his gospel comes to pass, that is written that you might believe that Jesus is Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you might have life in his name. In closing, may I just recap. If you're praying for something, keep praying. Keep praying. You must keep praying. Put all pride aside. Don't tell God what to do or ask, ask God to do something, but don't tell him how to do it. Say, Lord, you, you move as you want. But I want God to answer prayer this way. Well, listen, he's going to do what he wants. So ask him what you want. Say, well, I want him to come down to Capernaum. He's not coming down. He's going to send the word and your boy will be well. And that was better because the boy's suffering finished quicker than how long it would take them to journey. Again, I'm saying 20 miles. I have to confirm that. 20 miles. No cars. Horse, horseback, possibly. He was a royal official. And so please, you know, first thing was he came to Jesus, he begged Jesus, and he took Jesus at his word. Please, don't give up believing. It may well be that when you take Jesus at his word and you make the journey home, when you arrive, God may already have performed the miracle that you need.